Welcome back to the Spartan Red Zone. Trent Valley here alongside Alex McRae in Chicago for Big Ten Media Days. We've got a very special guest here, very excited, FS1 college football analyst Joel Klatt. Joel, we appreciate the time. We're excited to have you. I am excited to be here. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Great. Yeah, great. Earlier start in this uh, business than I did. This is pretty cool. <laughs> well, we had a pretty good opportunity to come here, and we're, we're having a good time. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to sit down. Of course. Let's, let's dive right in. So um, we all know the favorites for Heisman. You got Tua, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Herbert, you got Fromm. Who is some dark horse candidate that nobody's really talking about that you think should get more attention? Uh, Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. He's done things um, in his career that no, no other back in the history of the sport has done. Um, he's got a chance, you know, with just 1,800 yards, which was, which would be certainly within his ability, he would rush for 6,000 yards um, as by his junior year. No mm -hmm. one's ever done that. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think he's right in there. I think there are a few – there are a few guys that I would point to that I think have a chance. I think from a wide receiver standpoint, there's some great wide receivers out there. I think C.D. Lamb might be interesting uh, at Oklahoma. I think LaVisca Chenault at Colorado is an interesting guy. I think Jerry Judy at Alabama uh, is an interesting one. And then maybe A.J. Dillon, the back at uh, Boston College, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. All of those names I would just kind of uh, keep, keep an eye on and, and, and don't also leave out the, the possibility that if you've got Ohio State and Michigan and they have great seasons, their quarterbacks will always be in somewhat of the conversation. So Shea Patterson and maybe Justin Fields, I think you could also keep an eye on as well. Okay. Um, speaking of the Big Ten, one of the biggest talking points of this entire event is the current state of the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Having missed the college football playoffs two years in a row, yeah. do you think that this is the year they're able to send a team back, or is the top-end talent just not good enough? Well, two years ago, it was a total joke that they missed the playoffs. Yeah. Total joke. I mean, the fact that we're allowing teams that didn't even win their division to go to the playoffs, I think is a problem, right? Now, three years ago, that worked in their favor because Ohio State went mm -hmm. without having won their, um, their division. I think that we need to fix that before we go – any other direction having having said that i think it's going to be tough this year to be quite honest with you um because there's really nothing standing in alabama and clemson's way that's number one number two there's already such push starting in the preseason for like a second sec team like a georgia mm -hmm. uh, and then you got a team like oklahoma who has been there two years in a row, who still has their coach. They've got a natural rival with Texas that it, they could be right there after their Sugar Bowl win with Georgia. So not just from a preseason favorite standpoint, but then you look at like, okay, who are you going to favor win to, uh, excuse me, who are you going to favor to win the league? Mm -hmm. I favor right now Michigan. Okay. Okay. I, I so see that. It's, you can see that, right? Yeah. It's, I, I know it's hard. I know they haven't beaten Ohio State. Here's the problem with Michigan. If they do win the Big Ten, they've got one of the toughest roads from a national standpoint to have a record that would be deserving of inclusion into the playoff. The reason of that is because they play seven straight games on consecutive weeks against Power 5 opponents or Notre Dame. That's the most that I can find in the country. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Alabama and Clemson. The most consecutive weeks that they'll play a Power 5 opponent or Notre Dame is three. That's just a Notre Dame is three. Um, there's a couple of other teams that are that are three. So, so to think that Michigan's going to have to go through a gauntlet like that and not only try to win their division for the first time in a long time, win a conference that they haven't won since forever ago, 
and go through that gauntlet unscathed enough to also go to the playoff, I think is a really tough ask. So if, if you were asking me to bet on yes or no, will a big team team go to the playoff, I would bet on no. Okay. What right. do you think about? Sorry about that. No, you're good. Uh, what do you think about the Big Ten with their conference schedule being nine games compared to the SEC with eight and so on? Um, I've fallen under. I've fallen into the trap in recent years of arguing for one side over the other mm-hmm. when it relates to schedule, and I think that that was the wrong way to do it because. It's like arguing for one political side or the other. One half of the argument just shuts you out. Mm-hmm. Can I just say scheduling in college football is broken. We don't play on the same field. So regardless of which way you want to go, whether it's bring everyone to nine, bring everyone to eight, whatever it is, that's what we need to do. So that's what I would say. I think that the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 are at a disadvantage when it comes to preparing a team to have a record deserving inclusion into the playoff versus what we have in the ACC and the SEC. That's not a knock on them because it's not against the rules. They're doing what they should. Um, Now, the ACC is a little different than the SEC because the SEC doesn't have a natural scheduling partner like Notre Dame, which the ACC does. So when you look at total number of Power 5 games and opponents – the ACC is more in line with what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big 12 are doing from a, kind of a per-game basis, and the only outlier then becomes the SEC. But quite candidly, I'm done arguing that the SEC should change because if they're not going to change, they shouldn't. It's, it's clearly worked for them. So I think that's the, the way I'll go is that I just feel like everyone should be on, on the same playing field as it relates to the types of and makeup of schedule that they're they're out there playing. Okay. So we're based in East Lansing, so we got to ask you about the Spartans. Yeah. How do you see the Spartans faring this season? You got Brian Lewerke coming back with yep. a healthy shoulder, um, in, a, in a rush defense that was first in the whole country last year. Yep. So, and and the defense as a whole only losing two starters. So, do you see a bounce back year for Coach D'Antonio? And the yeah, Spartans? absolutely. This is this is one of those teams very similar. Like I was just at Big Twelve Media Day, and. People ask me about, like, TCU. You think TCU is going to bounce back? Yeah. Why? Their coach is great. Um, they're always going to play quality defense. What Do I expect Michigan State to bounce back? Absolutely. Their coach is great. They're always going to play quality defense. And they have a returning quarterback that two years ago many thought could have gone into the NFL draft if he wanted to. Um, I don't know if he was eligible at that point, but, but he was on that kind of trajectory. The one thing that does – concern me for Michigan State is that they've got to play at Northwestern, at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, and at Michigan. And Michigan is going to be coming off of a bye in that game. That's a tough road, a really tough road. So even with all that defensive prowess back, I love Kenny Willekes, Joe Bocci, Raekwon Williams, Josiah Scott. They should have what I would say is arguably the best defense in the entire conference. They should be better on offense. The schedule is just so difficult. Right now, I would say they're in the mix with Michigan and Ohio State to try to win that East Division and get to Indianapolis, but it's hard to see them overcoming that schedule and that, that amount of road tests. It's just tough to do. Speaking of Coach D'Antonio and his, uh, his staff, what do you think about the changes he made to the offensive coordinator position, really just shuffling some cards in the deck, not really making any real changes in a lot of people's opinions? Well, I personally didn't think it was, it was a scheme issue. I think it was an 
injury issue. It was a personnel issue last year Hmm. because that scheme has worked. You know, guys don't forget how to coach. You know, there are outside factors that I thought led to the lack of offense. They played some really good defenses at the wrong time. They had some inclement weather uh, issues. They had injuries all over the place. Um, So I like the fact that he did something, but I like even more the fact that he didn't clean house. Because I don't think he should have cleaned house. All right. I got one one last question for you real quick. Um, I do a Detroit sports podcast. You sat down with us, and you kind of joked about my Detroit Lions cover on my laptop. Uh, you asked if this is the year. I said, of course. But um, I just, I'd just i love to hear your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson and how he'll fit with Matt Stafford in Detroit. So um, Hawkinson, as I studied the draft, started to become my favorite player. Because I love every to hear that. Time, yeah, I know. You love to hear that. Every time I turned it on, I thought to myself, this guy is the most dominant on a snap-in, snap-out basis. It didn't matter if he was – Run blocking, pass blocking, going out for a route, short route, deep route, running after the catch. I was like, "What? This like he's the best player." Um, now, is he going to be as flashy as some of the other ones? Maybe, maybe not. Is he more, as impactful as a pass rusher and a quarterback? Clearly not. But just from a pure player, I think he might have been the best player in the draft. So I th- listen when you put a, a weapon like that with a guy as talented as Matthew Stafford and the ability to throw the ball. I think that it can and hopefully will work out all right well, and it, it. B- by the way with with uh, your coach i'm blanking his name right now matt patricia matt patricia, M- matt patricia this is uh, hawkinson is kind of like a he's like a gronk yeah and that kind of mold so the there mold, you go for sure well there you have it lions fans joel clatt likes yeah. the pick i was so. a lion for three games in training camp in 2006 yeah well you know never what? got in the game my partner here looked that up before you came <laughs> here so there we go i love excellent. it excellent joel Guys, we appreciate uh, the time so absolutely. much absolutely trent alex been a pleasure awesome thank you very much